What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We turn our attention now to Kansas City, where a black teenage child, Ralph Yarl, just 16 years old, was shot by a white homeowner through a glass door when he knocked on the wrong door in an attempt to pick up his younger siblings. We are joined to discuss by Justice Gaston, the founder and director of the Real Justice Network in Kansas City, Missouri. She is also a writer, organizer, advocate, social justice doula, and an IPV, intimate partner violence survivor. Good morning, Justice. Good morning. Grand Rising. Grand Rising, thank you so much for coming on the show and for your work in, of all places, Kansas City. Justice, tell us a little bit about your organization, Real Justice, please. It's the first time we've had you on L&D. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Real Justice Network is a Black and Indigenous, um, survivor-led, reproductive justice organization. And we focus on issues of violence, intimate partner violence, domestic violence, sexual violence, and state violence, which includes instances of our families connecting with child protective services or with the police or, quite frankly, with any system that um, engages in violence on our people. Walk us through uh, the events as you know them of April 13th, 2023. What happened to 16-year-old Ralph Yarl? So what happened here is um, a a young 16-year-old black uh, young man, little boy. um, He looks like, you know, one of my nephews. Um, He was entrusted to go pick up two siblings, two younger twin siblings. Um, And here, you know, um, we have same number streets, could be a street or terrace. And it's easy so easy to get them confused. And so that's what happened. Um, the same number address, but it was marked either Terrace or Street. He went to the wrong one. He was just supposed to, you know, blow the horn. The twins were going to come out running into the car, and they were going to go home for the evening. But what happened is he went to the wrong address. He didn't have his phone, and he decided, I better go, I better go ring the doorbell to get my sibling. And Uh, He rang that bell, and um, this um, racist, as we have termed him to be, this racist um, looked at this young man through his glass door and shot him and came outside after he'd fallen and shot him again. Um, He also mentioned, he said something like, uh, don't come over here, don't come around here. Um, and so Ralph got up and attempted to get help for himself. He encountered one neighbor who wouldn't help him. He encountered another who wouldn't help him. He encountered another one who would only help him if he would get down on his knees and put his hands up. And, uh, he did do that. He lost consciousness and, and there was medical attention, um, finally, uh, coming for him. But the fact that he had to get on his knees and put his hands up after being shot twice, once in the face and once in the arm is ridiculous. And I want people to understand what North Casey is. This is a historically racist area within the Kansas City boundary. It's about 30 minutes 
away from the center of the city. It would be considered a suburb area. Um, not a lot of uh, population of black folks, about 7%. It's about 80% white. And there are no uh, people of color on the school board there. And so this has been, this, this community is known uh, to be this way. They have a culture there. And I dare say, you know, many of the police officers live in, uh, in that area as well. Justice, I, 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 I think I need to tell my, my listeners that, that Ralph will be okay. He's, he's not, yes. he's not dead, even though he, he is very well could Praise have that. been. Um, I yes. should have started with that. Um, I, I want to know driving, though about, yes. I want to know about him as a kid. I understand he was in the band. What are his schoolmates, his teachers? What is the community that uh, is holding him right now? What are they saying about this young man? They are angry. You know, this was an exceptional young man, super smart. Um, yes, very musically talented, um, definitely um, on his way to big things. Um, had the respect of his teachers, his classmates, um, family, friends. And, and so they took to, you know, they had a walkout at the school uh, the other day. They took to, you know, the streets and demanded justice. For, mm. for Ralph, and it was a really beautiful thing to see all of these young people saying, no, we're not going to accept this. This could have been any one of us, and those are their conversations. Like, this could have been us. It could have been any one of us. And so Ralph has, um, I would say, great support from his teachers, from his friends, from his school community, and from the community at large. Something that strikes me about this is that Lester, the homeowner, the white homeowner that shot Ralph, when police asked him why, he said that he was scared to death. Now, this is despite not having opened the door. There were absolutely no words exchanged between Lester and Yarrow. Scared to death. That is also what law enforcement says when they murder us, right? That they were afraid absolutely. for their lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is interesting. It's um, the, you know, what they've been using to literally get away with murder um, for for so many years. And so it's not lost on us that, you know, he's employing this racist trope of this big, bad, boogeyman, black person who they're just so deathly afraid of, which is far from the truth. I mean, I will say Ralph, his stature um, my 10 year old is probably bigger than Ralph. Um, so yeah. And yet Lester described him as six feet tall. Right. Yes. yes this, this big boogeyman in their mind, anything black, right. Um, it's the, it's the blackness that's criminalized. It's the blackness that in their eyes, you know, they need to, you know, do away with. And we're just not standing for that as a, as a community. You cannot touch our children and think that it's going to be okay, especially not with Real Justice Network around. It is never okay. We're going to always come out and speak on it. And and it, it looks like y'all speaking on it is actually what caused the arrest. Can you talk about the initial response of police before y'all's protest? Oh, it was it was piss poor. Um, you know, it was almost as if. Oh, you know, why? It's not a big deal. So what? He shouldn't have, you know, been on his steps. It's almost like they were justifying 
you know, the, this shooting, Mike, you know, there's, you know, even the Kansas City police um, uh, chief, Stacey Graves, was like, I don't see a racial component here. What? And it was this mm-hmm. just ignoring, you know, that this crime had occurred against a young black boy. And so that's why we always talk about, you know, how these systems don't keep us safe, like police don't keep us safe. And when we need help or assistance, um, nobody is coming to our aid. Um, and so, so yeah, it, it's the, the response has not went over well with the community at all. Um, their lacklusterness about bringing those charges forward. And I'll tell you what. You know, none of us could do that. You, I, none of my team, we we couldn't commit that kind of crime and be let go. You know, they questioned this guy. I think he was in their custody maybe for like two hours. And he eventually went on um, vacation, just like cops do when they kill us. Whoa. I hadn't read that piece. Yeah, he, he, he was in Arizona. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he took it. Yes, he went to Arizona. And so, you know, when the arrest warrant came out, he wasn't around. The cops had already allowed him to leave the state. And so, you know, it was a demand, though, that us getting in the street, and not just getting in the street, we went directly to his neighborhood. We went directly to his house. We wanted it to be known by anybody, any neighbor in that neighborhood who turned Ralph away when he was bleeding and needed their help to know that he has a whole community of people who are not having that. And so, yeah, we thought it only right. Take it to this neighborhood 30 minutes away from the center of Kansas City. Let's drive there. Let's go there. Let's let them know. Let's let them see us. Let's let them see us in all of our blackness, that we're not going to stand for this. And it wasn't until then that we began to hear something and begin to get, you know, hear that, oh, you know, something's going to happen. And I refused to let business go as usual. Uh, the next morning, we had a meeting with the county commissioner's office that had nothing to do with this situation. It was something else. And, you know, we could not go on with business as usual. I began to question them about where's your response to this issue? How come you all are silent? What's going on here? All right, I've got to leave it there, but we will continue to track this case. Please keep us informed on next steps. We would love to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for your work and for coming on the show. Please support the family. Oh, do you have a GoFundMe? Is there a GoFundMe? Is there a way that my listeners can support the family? Oh, my goodness. There is a GoFundMe. I don't have it really readily available for me right now, but it's out there on your socials. Please support Ralph Yarl's family. Support Ralph Yarl. Well, if you get it, shoot it to my producer, Jesse Strauss, who I know you were in communication with, and we will put it up in the archive version of the show. Absolutely. I will do that right now. All right. Thank you, Justice, so much. We've been speaking to Justice Gatson, founder and director of the Real Justice Network in Kansas, Missouri. She is also a writer, organizer, advocate, social justice doula, and an intimate partner, violent survivor. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. 
Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>